ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستهديه ونؤمن به ونتوكل عليه ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان سيدنا محمدا عبده ورسوله ونبيه وصفيه وحبيبه بلغ الرساله وادى الامانه ونصح للامه وجاهد في سبيل الله حتى اتاه اليقين وتركنا على المحجه البيضاء ليلها كنهارها لا يزيغ عنها الا هالك فاللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد في الاولين وصل وسلم على سيدنا محمد في الاخرين وصل وسلم على سيدنا محمد في الملا الاعلى الى يوم الدين وصل وسلم على سيدنا محمد في كل وقت وحين وعلى اله الاطهار وعلى اصحابه الاخيار وعلى اتباعه الابرار الى يوم الدين يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن الا وانتم مسلمون يا ايها الناس اتقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحده وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهما رجالا كثيرا ونساء واتقوا الله الذي تساءلون به والارحام ان الله كان عليكم رقيبا يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم اعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما وبعد فان اصدق الحديث كتاب الله وان خير الهدي هدي سيدنا ومولانا رسول الله وان شر الامور لمحدثاتها وكل محدثه بدعه وكل بدعه ضلاله وكل ضلاله في النار in the very early years of the risala of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam we're talking very early you know year 1 year 2 in mecca the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he was sitting with the early companions so he was sitting with people like suhaib the roman bilal the african khabbab ibn arat all of these uh, early believers who were who were these people these were the disenfranchised of mecca bilal was a slave that the prophet or sidna abu bakr rather radiyallahu bought and freed and uh, reverse uh, racism so suhaib the european was not welcome well, usually the other way around but this was reverse racism and khabbab these poor old people these were the people that believed with the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam in the beginning not the people that we come to learn about later not sayyidna hamza not even maybe sayyidna umar radiyallahu anhu uh, and then not to speak of the wealthy ansar in medina we're not talking about that we're talking about the very early of the message so the prophet sallallahu was sitting with them and these people had nothing they're persecuted doubly they're persecuted because maybe of their race like bilal and suhaib or maybe because they're poor like khabbab radiyallahu anhu and now they're persecuted because they're muslim just like the prophet sallallahu was persecuted so the big 
the, the leaders of Quraysh, who are the main enemies of the Prophet I want everyone to picture this with me. They come to the Prophet These are the people with the guns and the money. Okay, these are the people that can sway all of Mecca. They can make all of the problems of the Prophet disappear. They can offer him anything and they can make it happen. These are the people of resource, these are the people of influence, these are the people of trade, of business, of capital. They are the leaders of Quraysh, both financially, politically, and influentially. So they come to talk to the Prophet ﷺ. I mean, this is his moment. He could make all of this nonsense go away. And then they find these people sitting with the Prophet ﷺ. And they say to him, who, who are this riffraff? Please, you know, make these people. We can't, we can't hang out with... We can't talk to you when these people are present. You know, please let these people go away. This is riffraff. Imagine the context like something like today. This is maybe like a state dinner or something and everyone has to come dressed a certain way. And then imagine, you know, somebody that's a simpleton walks in. They're not going to be, uh, they won't make it through the door. They'll be turned away. Where's your invitation? Where's your tie, sir? You know, where's your dress, ma'am? You know, these type of things you have to put on a jacket. You know, these are, this is, I'm approximating the, the image so you can understand what this means. This is a serious negotiation, a political negotiation. And then the Prophet ﷺ, he refuses. And at that moment, this verse is revealed, وَلَا تَطْرُدُ الَّذِينَ يَدْعُونَ اللَّهَ بِالْغَدَاتِ وَالْعَيْشِيِّ يُرِيدُونَ وَجْهَ اللَّهِ Allah reveals this verse to enshrine it forever. And do not kick out from your presence those people who call on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala night and day solely for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this verse or this concept is repeated throughout the Qur'an. It's not just in this incident that this happens to the Prophet ﷺ. And this enshrines for us this very important essential component of our faith, about our acceptance of everyone in our community. Islam is not just meant for people that look like you or think like you or have the same... Uh, background like you, or education like you, or economic status like you. But Islam is all of us. It's a faith. It's not a club. It's a faith. It's not a political party. It's a faith. It's not a country or a nation or any of these things. But it's much broader than that. It's that which binds us to our Creator. And by all of us agreeing with these basic principles of Islam, all of us, we have become brothers and sisters to one another. So we have a very big family. And if you know from your own biological family, you don't always get along because you don't always choose your parents, your siblings, uh, your children, or maybe you kind of have choose your children, maybe. But you know what I'm saying. You, you, you have to accept these things, which is why Allah reminds us in the Qur'an over and over again to be kind to our parents. Do not kill your children out of fear being khashyat uh, Do not fear your children because you are scared of poverty. We will provide for you and for them. Allah reminds us, reminds us, reminds us. Indeed, the believers are one brotherhood, in the abstract meaning brothers and sisters. Indeed, this nation of yours is one nation. So now we have this big gigantic family. And all of us are in the family together. Just like the Prophet ﷺ in this scene in Mecca, he was with all of these outcasts 
and rejects of society, the disenfranchised, the impoverished, the sick, they were the first believers. But from a spiritual point of view, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala puts them higher than the people that were coming to talk to the Prophet and negotiate with him sallallahu alayhi wasallam. And he reminds the Prophet sallallahu and therefore reminds us, do not kick away from this presence those people who call to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. A few months ago, this mosque was approached by an organization called Muhsin, ironically. And this organization helps Masajid in North America become prepared and compliant to help make the masjid friendly for people with special needs. Not just children with special needs, but families with special needs, elder people with special needs, to help the community make the mosque friendly, make it friendly from the logistics of the mosque, you know, access doors and parking and things like that and the bathroom facilities, but also more importantly, which we have alhamdulillah, by the way, but also to make the mosque spiritually more ready to incorporate those aspects of the community that we have unfortunately, we tend to forget. And that is why I began with this story to show us how into, and this was a, you know, we were very happy to receive this message because this is, I mean, is what we believe in. And particularly this masjid was based on these principles of inclusiveness. And I wanted to spend today a little bit of time to remind us about what this means for us, how important this is for us to be accepting to those people who might need special attention. Just like the Prophet ﷺ was with those early companions who were not only they needed special attention, but they were rejected by society at large. The Prophet ﷺ, he reminds us, it's a hadith, you know, has some weakness in it, but these, these type of situations, we need these hadith to remind us that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, I am with the brokenhearted towards me. Now usually we use this hadith to talk about those people that are you know, pious and close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the person that, that breaks down in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and calls out to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah is with that person, meaning that that person's dua is accepted. That is a, it's an encouragement for us to sort of break down in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. وَفِرُّوا إِلَى اللَّهِ Allah says in the Qur'an, run towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But the people that are brokenhearted are also the people that are literally brokenhearted. They have no community. They have nowhere to go. No one accepts them. Everywhere they go, the environment shuns them. You know, like when you have rowdy children and you want to go out to eat, you can't go out to eat because the people at the restaurant don't like you. It's a problem in the plane. It's a problem in the train. It's a problem in the bus. It's, you go to the, even in the amusement park, they, they get mad at you because your kids are too rowdy. Right now, imagine if you have a, a, a child in this example that's a special needs child, that this is naturally how they are, how you must feel. There has to be one place that you can go other than your home. There must be one place, one outlet that you can have. And if this cannot be the outlet, then we have not lived up to our calling as the followers of the Prophet Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, I am with the brokenhearted. The people that are in need, that is where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is. So they are not people of special needs because they need special needs, but we are in need of them. Because it is through them and through serving them 
that we find our salvation. Whoever is in the service and the aid in the assistance of their brother, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in your assistance. The Prophet said, Whoever is there to serve the needs, haja, and people with special needs in Arabic, they use the same word, haja. You see, so it's not an accident that the hadith uses this word. Whoever is in service of the need of their brother or sister, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is in your service. Visiting somebody who's sick. Traditionally, we talk about visiting the people that are sick or visiting the poor people. But these type of hadith also apply in this context to the people that need help and assistance. Helping an older person into the masjid is just like helping a younger person into the masjid. Being kind to your parents or to your aunties or your uncles or your siblings is just the same as being merciful towards those that need extra attention. Because that is where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is. In the sense is that that's where you will find the imminent presence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Al-Hadra al-Ilahiyyah. This is where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's presence is. It's in service of these people. And their existence is a reminder to us that don't necessarily have those challenges, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, alhamdulillah, has not given us those challenges, but alhamdulillah, Allah has given us the resources to help those. So Allah has given to us so that we can give to others. Allah has not given to us that we hoard. You can't take your talents and store them somewhere. You can't take your resources and put them in a safe or bury them under the sea. You can't do that. You have been given something, some skills, even the skills of speaking, having a healthy body, being able to walk, being able to lift. These are all resources. We're not just talking about financial resources. But if Allah has given you a resource, you owe that blessing, that's your zakah on that blessing, right? That's your tax that you have to, that you can walk and that you can talk and that you can carry and that you can lift. You don't walk in to the uh, iftar and see all of the older uncles and aunties getting ready for the iftar and then you sit down. Oh, can I help you? I mean, they're fasting too, right? You see somebody unloading from the car, naturally you go, you say, can I help you? Can I unload? Can I carry? Usually I donate my children, but I mean, you know, you have to help somehow. You don't just sit down and wait for somebody to serve you. Because this is a need. But children with these special needs as we call them, and there's a broad, a broad uh, uh, definition I'm not qualified to give to you today, this afternoon. They are in the same category as people that require our assistance. And we are reminded of another hadith of the Prophet ﷺ. Again, you know, there's some weakness in these hadith, but that doesn't mean the hadith is weak. It's a big difference between there's a weakness in the hadith, which is a technical term, and then the hadith is weak. People don't understand this distinction. Another time we'll talk about this. But the Prophet ﷺ has said, Sayyidul Qawm Khadimuhum. Who is the real leader of the community? The one that services the community. And look at the example that he left us, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. How he was in the service of his community. How he would never kick anyone out of his presence, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. That, imagine that. Imagine a human being who never says no. 
any time he was asked, he would give. Imagine that. Try to think about that in your own self. How many times throughout the day, throughout the week, we say no? Or to our children, to our spouses, to our relatives, to our parents. How many times? I can't, I'm busy. I'm... Imagine that the Prophet never said no. Anas served the Prophet for, for several years, many years. And he says, never once did the Prophet ask me why I did something, why I put this here, why I did this, why I didn't do this. Never did he ask me. He sort of just was even keel in the house. Imagine that disposition. So imagine, imagine then his, the presence of the Prophet. Imagine sitting with him, living with him. Everyone felt comfortable, everyone felt safe. No one was cursed. While, he was, while they were present with him. He never made fun of anyone. He never backbit anyone. He never said, you know, why are you here? You know, you smell bad. Why are you here? You're not like us. He didn't, Ahlan Wasa, even his enemies, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, were safe in his presence. So if there are those in our community that need help, that need assistance, that need attention, it is our obligation. Not, it's not a good thing, it's our obligation to make the masjid ready to receive them. And it is our obligation to protect them, to house them, to care for them, and for their families who have to deal with this 24 hours a day. Can we help you? Why don't we have a service where we'll take the children out, let the parents get some time off, get some rest, some carpooling, all of these type of things, all of these, uh, we can brainstorm forever, all of these little things that we can do, this is how we can put our resources to help because we are a community. This is not a club, this is not a special organization, but this is a community built on the community of the Prophet So it is our obligation to help. And of course, we are reminded when we talk about this, about how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala summarizes the character of the Prophet we have not sent you except as a mercy to mankind. This verse is so beautiful. This verse, if we understood this verse, we would have no questions about Islam. And all of the people that have all of these wacky interpretations, this is the one proof, really the, 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 the proof to end all proofs, the argument to end our arguments. See, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَمَا أَرْسَلْنَاكَ إِلَّا We have not sent you except. This is hasr. This is to, uh, to corner the meaning of this verse. Meaning that Allah is saying, we have only sent you for this reason and no other reason except to be a mercy to all of mankind. Which means everything in the Prophet's actions, in his speech, in his deliberations, in his challenges, everything can be understood under this concept of mercy. Why he did this, why he didn't do this. Why did he say this, why he didn't say this. It's all defined by this characteristic of mercy. That the whole faith is constructed and preserved for us to be manifestations of this prophetic mercy. To be a light the way he was a light. To be merciful the way he was merciful. Yes, he had to do the things that normal people do. But he had options. When he entered Mecca, he could have decimated Mecca. He could have erased the existence of Quraysh forever. Right? He had the power. Worldly power. Authority. 
Over a hundred thousand people came from all over Arabia for that Hajj. And one of the, when the companions entered Mecca and he said, Today is the day of bloodshed. The Prophet said, Kathaba Sa'ad. Sa'ad is Kathaba in the language of Quraysh, meaning he was incorrect. He said, Sa'ad is incorrect. Today is the day of mercy. All of the abuse, all of the treachery, all of the lies, all of the assassination attempts, having trash thrown on him, having the intestines of animals thrown on him, hunted down, his companions killed, his own wife, Khadija alayhi salam, essentially died because of the actions of Quraysh, kicked out of his homeland, all of the worldly possessions of him and his companions taken. Any one of us, if we had only one of those things happen to us, we would not enter Mecca so peacefully. The Prophet could have erased them from existence. He could have erased them, the existence of the hypocrites in Medina just like, like that. He would have just went like this to one of them and one of the companions would have taken care of it. But he never did that, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, because that was not his purpose. His purpose was mercy. So if this is how the Prophet was towards the enemy, how do you think he was to those that are in his community, those that are his believers, those that are his followers, that need help and assistance? He was there to help and assist them. Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Several, the early Salaf, and the Salaf in Islam is a broad definition. Sometimes we think it's like one generation. You know like the first four centuries of Islam, the Salaf. They developed, you know, the first 500 years of Islam or so, this was the year in which all of the hadith was gathered and codified. This is when, like, Bukhari was written and Muslim and all of these things. And, you know, everyone agreed, okay, this is sahih, this is not sahih. And, and then we just, after that, after like the year 500, we sort of just passed these hadith down. In the early generations in the Salaf, they found some hadith to be peculiar. Not only were they sound hadith, and not only were they in the big, you know, collections of hadith, but they said, we have to teach this hadith in a special way. We have to narrate this hadith to our students in a very special way, almost like a ceremony. And what is the hadith that they chose to teach their students as the first hadith? And you've heard me say this over and over again. If there's one thing you remember, inshallah, of me is this one hadith. If, you, if I meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and you can tell him the only thing we remember from this guy is this one hadith, I'll be satisfied. What is the first hadith? Before Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, before learning the Fatiha, before learning how to make wudu, before learning how to pray, the first thing that the shaykh teaches his student, it's called hadith ar-Rahmah. The hadith of mercy. Ar-Rahimun. يَرْحَمُهُمُ الرَّحْمَانِ تَبَارَكَ وَتَعَالَ إِرْحَمُ مَنْ فِي الْأَرْضِ يَرْحَمْكُمْ أَوْ يَرْحَمُكُمْ مَنْ فِي السَّمَاءِ The merciful ones, they receive mercy from the merciful ones. Mercy three times in the first sentence. Show mercy to all those on earth and you shall be shown mercy from the one in the heavens. Narrated by Tirmidhi. Every teacher I've ever studied with, this is the first hadith they teach you. And it's like a ceremony and they, they recite the whole senate back to the Prophet Sallallahu and they, you know, they give you a certificate and they give you the ijaz and they sign there. And we're all happy and we're all excited. And we all, we, we compete, the students, we compete with each other. How many asaneed, how many chains of transmission do we have back to the Prophet Sallallahu Not because we doubt the veracity of the hadith, 
No, the hadith is sahih. There's no question about its veracity. But that, that sense of connectedness to this tradition that the Salaf started, that each shaykh, each person in this link, they say this is the first hadith my teacher taught me. And he heard it from his shaykh, and this is the first hadith he heard from him. So on and so forth, all the way back to the Prophet Why? I asked one of my teachers, why is this the first hadith? I mean, it's a beautiful hadith, of course. But why, for example, is not the hadith of Nayyah? This is the first hadith in Sahih al-Bukhari. I mean, that would make sense, right? If the Bukhari, the first hadith, why isn't this not the first hadith? Many Muslims have not heard of this hadith, actually. And my teachers, they tell me to teach you that what you are about to embark on are the keys to unlock the secret of mercy. That the whole reason for studying Islam, the whole reason for being a Muslim, the whole reason for praying, for fasting, is to be a manifestation of the mercy of the Prophet ﷺ. And this is the meaning of the verse, لَقَدْ كَانَ لَكُمْ فِي رَسُولِ اللَّهِ أُسْوَةٌ حَسَنًا Indeed, in the Messenger of Allah is the most excellent, perfect of examples. So if you understand mercy, then you will see why when we received this news of this organization, we were like, this is great, awesome. We will do it and you come back in a year and you make sure that we've done everything and we'll tell the community. Because why? Because this is what it means to be a follower of the Prophet That we service those who are broken hearted. That we are in service of those who need, who those who have things that they need and we help them and we fill them. Not just the sick and not just the poor, but those who have special needs, who Allah has created a special way. And we are reminded by them of the presence of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in their service. That we need them honestly, wallahi, more than they need us. Because servicing them is our salvation. They are saved. These people are saved. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala looks at them with mercy and love and compassion. Because Allah is al-khala, He created them this way. We are not. We have our faculties, which means that we are going to be tested. We need them more than they need us. And think about all of the rejection that's out there in society. This should be the one place that's a, a safe haven for anybody who wants to come. Just as the presence of the Prophet ﷺ was a safe haven. There was no uh, checklist that you had to answer. There was no inquisition that you had to go through. You just came and you sat down. And you hung out with the Prophet ﷺ. And you listen to what he had to say. And everything he, every time he would speak, they would be more and more and more in love with him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They would leave his presence, and it's sort of like, you know, they just, they were like in a, in a, in a whole pool, an ocean of light. It was unbelievable. Which is why when his enemies saw him, they said, we've seen something that we've never seen before. No king, no general. No ruler has ever treated like this by his people. Most people, they don't like the people that are in charge. These people, they love him. Not though they like him, they love him, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Why? Because he was accessible. Because he was merciful. Because he serviced them. He was in their service. He would help them. He would pray for them. He would pray with them, sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Despite all of the personal things that he had to do. So let this be a reminder for us of servicing those in the community that need help. 
being in their aid, being in their assistance. Because Allah has given us, alhamdulillah, and we, we owe it to this blessing that we give back. أَقُولُ قَوْلِ هَذَا وَاسْتَغْفِرُ اللَّهُ وَلِيُّ لَكُمْ إِنَّهُ هُوَ الْغَفُورُ الرَّحِيمُ أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على سيدنا ومولانا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه وسلم So outside on the table when you walk out on the left there's a needs assessment that this organization Muhsin has given us so we ask everyone to take one and it's like a very small questionnaire to fill it out so we can get a sense of where the needs are in the community on the specific issue and then you can give those back to brother Muhsin inshallah um, and it's, it's self-explanatory. We want to make dua for a few people specifically. We want to make dua for Stephen Mwensi, who is in Kenya, who is the husband of, of one of our community members for Shafa, inshallah. We ask Allah for healing for brother Abu Bakr Siddiqui, the father of sister Nushrat Shafiq Islam, inshallah. And we also make dua, inshallah, for sister Bushra Amir, uh, for her cancer treatment, we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to heal all of the sick uh, by the blessings of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam inshaAllah. And a reminder that the class tonight, my class is, is going to start at 7 because of the change of Maghrib time. So we'll begin at 7, which will be right after Maghrib prayer. And then Sunday morning with Tarif inshaAllah will be at 6.30 uh, in the morning inshaAllah at the masjid. You know, to accommodate for the changing of the, of the prayer times inshaAllah. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and all of his beautiful names and all of his beautiful attributes. May he heal the sick amongst us, inshaAllah. May he put us in service and those that are in need, inshaAllah. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to forgive all of our shortcomings and our sins and our trespasses. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to heal the wounds in the community. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us a light for each other and a light for others. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to adorn us with the mercy of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to have blessings and mercy on our parents and on our children and on our siblings. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy and forgiveness for those who have passed before us. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to make us vehicles of positive change inshaAllah. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect our children, to protect our homes, to protect our businesses and to protect our masjid inshaAllah. فَاللَّهُمَّ اهْدِنَا فِي مَنْ هَدَيْتَ وَعَافِنَا فِي مَنْ عَفَيْتَ فِي مَنْ تَوَلَّيْتَ اللهم بارك لنا فيما أعطيت وقنا واصرف عنا شر ما قضيت اللهم انقلنا من دائرة سخطك إلى دائرة رضاك وافتح علينا فتوح العارفين بك اللهم احشرنا تحت لواء نبيك صلى الله عليه وسلم يوم القيامة واسقنا من يده الشريفة شرب ماء لا نظمأ بعدها أبدا ثم ادخلنا الجنة بغير حساب ولا سابقة عقاب ولا عتاب ومتعنا بالنظر إلى وجهك الكريم في جنات الخلد يا رحيم فاللهم ارحم حينا وميتنا وحاضرنا وغائبنا وارفع أيدي الأمم عنا اللهم أقمنا بالحق وأقم الحق بنا يا أرحم الراحمين Also we want to remember our brothers and sisters in Syria and our brothers and sisters uh, in Myanmar inshallah may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alleviate their suffering uh, inshallah Allah subhanahu the Prophet sallallahu told us to beware of the dua of the oppressed against the oppressor and the Prophet did not make a distinction in faith, meaning anybody who is oppressed and anyone who is the oppressor, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala answers the dua of the oppressed, whether they are Muslim or not. 
because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made injustice something that is against the divinity of the Almighty. Ya ibn Adam, inni haramtu dhulma ala nafsi wa ja'altahu baynakum muharrama fala tadhalamu. O child of Adam, I have made injustice against my nature impossible. So do not be unjust to each other. So those people who, pro, who, pro, who, who propagate oppression in this way, they have to fear the wrath of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from the dua of those people. Again, in this case, we're making dua for our, our Muslim brothers and sisters. But anyone who is oppressed, this is an unholy, an unholy situation. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to alleviate the oppression of anyone who is oppressed. But specifically today, we remember our brothers and sisters in Syria and our brothers and sisters in Myanmar. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alleviate them and alleviate their suffering. وَأَقِمَ الصَّلَاءِ إِنَّ الصَّلَاةَ كَانَتَ عَلَى الْمُؤْمِنِينَ كِتَابًا مَوْقُوتًا